Welcome to the Improv Network Podcast. This is a series of conversations aimed at building stronger connections throughout the improv community. I'm James Quesada, the Education Director for the Improv Network. Please check out the improvnetwork.org. You can find all sorts of resources, including interviews and blogs, and a dedicated FA, improv FAQ page there with these conversations cataloged, as well as some mini lectures on improv topics from me, if you dig deep enough, um, or you can go to the Improv FAQ YouTube channel where this is live streaming and uh, look at the playlist of, vi of videos there. Uh, if you're watching this live stream, you're either watching it on the Improv FAQ YouTube channel or the Improv Network Facebook page or Facebook group. Uh, those are the places that we live stream it. And if you can't join for the live stream, you can always find us anywhere podcasts are found as an audio-only podcast and uh, take us with you uh, in your pocket. This is where Bob would uh, normally rip on me for saying, take us with you in your pocket. But um, <clears throat> Bob, Bob's not here, <laughs> okay? He's working. And uh, actually, I had a, a sudden work thing come up, which is why we're streaming at noon instead of one. So I apologize to uh anybody's lives that are shaken about that we do try to keep consistent with our schedule uh but sometimes life happens uh and we got to make a small change and uh that is the case today so thanks for joining us at noon instead of one uh but just an fyi that we will continue to stream normally at 1 p.m on sundays uh speaking of timing and flexibility our guest was very kind to also move uh, their schedule around to be here at noon today. Very excited to have a good friend of mine here in New York who is a, on top of being a very funny improviser and stand-up. He is also the director of classes at the People's Improv Theater, and he is here with us today. Please welcome Sonny Atwal. And the crowd goes wild. And the <laughs> rock band comes down from the ceiling. Who wants to hear a new hit single? <laughs> What's up, man? Thanks so much for joining. Oh, man. I'm so excited to be here. I am a big fan of improv FAQs. I send them to my students from time to time so they can understand stuff. Yeah, man. I appreciate it. You know, I... Um... I wish I could keep doing more of those. It's just, it's very time consuming. And um, I do, you know, the thing is, I, I feel like I got through um, a good chunk of like, initially that series was supposed to be like 20 questions, like the 20 FAQs that I could come up with. And then I was like, ah, I really like to do more of these because uh, I just was really enjoying working on them. But re realistically, like um, the ones that I got through, I was like, I think those are all the ones that I really wanted to offer up my input on um so you know there's part of it that feels kind of like complete and there's part of it me that wants to eventually get back to it and keep doing those but i appreciate you uh supporting them uh still it means a lot to me 
Yeah, absolutely, man. I uh, am a huge fan. So today we're talking about negative space, right? That's right. Yeah. Um, so you suggested as a topic negative space, which um, I thought was really interesting. And um, can you just set us up with what you had in mind for that topic? Yeah, absolutely. So for me, an improvisation, uh, negative space is a term that I, I throw around all the time in the sense of like, working around everything that's already been developed. Like if this is developed, what does that mean about everything else around it? And that's a different style of yes anding in my opinion. And it's also something that I remember, I remember talking to James about this one time at, uh, at Pioneers. And then I was really, really happy when we watched uh, T or Dave Pascazzi and Michael Shannon at the old, at the pit uh, East and at, during the FAQ part or during the Q&A, Dave and Michael Shannon made a point to mention the negative space. And I thought that was really cool. It's something that I cling to when I'm improvising. And I think that it makes everything a lot less intimidating once you kind of understand it. Yeah. And, and so I, I'm going to throw out what uh, my initial thought on uh, negative space was just because I think, I think when we're when we're applying it in the way that you're describing, which I think is uh, much more, um, there's there's many more ways to apply your uh, definition of negative space in the in improv than this. But uh, the first way that I learned the term negative space was about object work and miming. That like if you hold your hand like this, it's what you're doing is implying in the empty space. You, you know, your hand is taking up. I guess we positive space or like <laughs> actual space, but the but it's the empty space that you're actually playing around with or shaping, you know, people's imagination with. Um, and so, uh, j just in case anybody is is like, why are we? What what is, was with the term negative space? That I, that makes sense to me. That like, okay, well, you have what's actually there, or in your case, what's actually been established or explicitly established, and then you have all the stuff that you're implying that isn't there. But is really still um, the thing that you're you're creating, uh, building people's imagination around. Yeah, absolutely, and that's cool because I've never. I mean, that's probably the better way is of describing negative space. But I, 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 when I was in speech and debate, the way they taught us to like, they like always feel the weight of everything you're actually lifting. And uh, like, also like, I love the, uh, what is it called? Like, there's a specific term for this where you is to like really show the shape of something. You can, you just literally, uh, let your fingers. Oh, yeah. yeah. Right. Yeah. Each. yeah, yeah. yeah you kind of <laughs> let it like mold. To it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But that's great. I, I, I don't think it's, uh, uh, you know, it's not better or worse. I, I think that, um, yeah, it's, it's just an easier way for me to visualize it. Um, and I, and, but I love broadening it to apply to everything, you know, like, um, once, you know, uh, I'm going to have a hard time coming up with examples here. Cause it's, uh, it's noon on Sunday. <laughs> <laughs> and I've only just got my coffee, but, um, <clears throat> Do, do you have uh, examples that you go to uh, as a teacher when, like, when you start talking about negative space? Do you uh, kind of give up scenarios or anything that? Uh, yeah, ab stuff? absolutely. Like, I, I'm always uh, like my my biggest thing. I'm always, I'm, I'm trying to impress on my students is like internally asking yourself questions. Like, mm -hmm. what is so? If this person says one thing, what does that say about me? And 
I remember uh, doing a scene where someone was like, you're, you know, I'm a really cheap person. Like just someone saying, I'm a really cheap person. And then I was playing off of that. Like if that person's cheap, what does that say about my character? Maybe my character is really charitable, right? And now we have a whole dynamic between the two of a charitable person and a cheap person. They can still be friends, but it's just about establishing pretty much who you are and what you're doing based off of what the other person has already said. Yeah, I think that's a great way to, a great focus in a scene to figure out how to offer and and really how to yes and. Because, you know, <clears throat> with, the, with the term yes and, it can be easy uh, for students early on to, to get hung up on, on the literal yes and of it. And, um, and also like, okay, well, if we yes and into infinity, it doesn't necessarily mean we're going to have a good three-dimensional scene. Um, <clears throat> so thinking about like, oh, well, what, what can I offer or what can I like, uh, um, what can I accept in the yes is, is like, oh, okay, this person's a cheap person. Um, and, and is, is like, and, you know, so they, they don't like to spend money, uh, uh, if, if we're, and if me and my character are going to be, um, doing something that costs money, then, uh, they're not going to be too happy about it, or they're going to find ways around spending money. Um, you know, you're like, okay, cool. I, I, I can take that and use it for something. And so, okay, what would be an uncomfortable situation to be in is like, oh, we're, you know, we're, we're going to see an expensive uh, concert, you know, um, we're, we're at a concert, you know, we haven't established that. If your opening line is, ah, just really cheap, you know, then like, I can be like, okay, given all that, I hear that. And then I'm like, let me put us at, um, uh, like, well, look, man, that's, it, drinks are $15 at a stadium. That's just how it is. Like, you've got to get all around, you know? Um, yeah. Or, or even like, hey, man, drinks are $15 at stadium. And that's why I'm buying all your drinks tonight. Cause yeah, you're yeah, cheap. Yeah. Yeah. Cause you're cheap. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, just having that, like, yeah. working completely around just that one characteristic trait. Uh -huh. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I want you to experience the world, man. So tonight's on me. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Tonight's on yeah. me tonight, bud. Yeah, let me see the happiness of money. <laughs> um, uh, yeah, that's great. Um, uh, so yeah, what, at what point did you pick up this concept for yourself, and how did it change or shape the way that you were playing? Like, where, where, remind me where you got it from. I, I mean, I, I wasn't really taught this as much as I just happened to be able to watch. So I, I jam packed a year's, I jam packed so much improv into my life in a year before the pandemic that I was just, I was, I was watching too much stuff and also doing too much stuff with mm -hmm. improv. So like, uh, I was doing, <laughs> so I had started the program in January and I finished it within a year. So level one through five and then master class. And while that's all happening, I'm doing the UCB jam at 6 p.m., the uh, 10.30 uh, pit jam. I'm doing the Wednesday 6 p.m. jam. I'm watching all of Super Free Wednesday, which was the old house themed at the pit, doing the 11 o'clock p.m. jam, doing the Thursday 6 p.m. jam, 
doing the Thursday 10:30 p.m. jam, doing the Friday 6:30 p.m. jam, and then that's not even including all of the shows that I was doing as like an indie team member or all the practice groups that I was a part of. That was so just your, your anchor schedule. That's <laughs> yeah, that was my yeah. anchor schedule. <laughs> And so like my life was really just devoted to improv for like a whole soul year. And because I watched so many shows and so many people performing, like I kept constantly asking myself, like, how are they making this first thing that they say so funny? And not even like the first thing I'm talking about, like the second line, mm-hmm. you know, the first line is generally, I think not that funny. It doesn't have to be, but it, it generally tends to not be. And that's fine. Cause it really shouldn't be. It should just be establishing stuff. But there were people that I was seeing in the second line making me laugh. And I'm like, what are you doing that's m- making this magic grow? And it was so like it was a constant, uh, constant question I kept asking myself until I realized I don't have to like do so much work which is what every teacher preaches, but you don't have to do so much work to find the funny thing. Mm -hmm. Uh, If you really do just kind of work around what you're given, uh, it'll be funny or it'll be good. It'll be fun to watch and entertaining for the audience. So that's kind of, I always tell this to my students as well. Like I'm not just a performer. Like I'm an audience member as well. Mm -hmm. My relationship between the two are fluid. I'm an audience and I'm a performer and being in both shoes are how I inform each role. And so being an audience member for so long helped diving into the performance aspect of it for me as well. Yeah. Yeah. It's super important. Uh, um, My friend Gary uh, always says that like improv is one of the only art forms that you can learn from by watching because the audience and the people on stage generally have an equal um, knowledge of what's going on. So everything that, that, that happens, everyone is, ex- is experiencing in real time uh, in the same way. You know, the performers have an active role in it and are more trained, you know, for, for uh, looking for things and thinking about it and doing the thing. But like, but like the, we don't, nobody knows more than anybody else about what's going to happen next. Um, and so because of that relationship as a audience member, you can learn from watching the performance of it, you know, which is not always true of, uh, any, any, uh, skill or you can't, you can't necessarily learn, uh, you know, I guess you, you well, maybe, maybe now that I'm really thinking about this, you could learn, <laughs> but it, you, it's, it's certainly, uh, a, the, the improv as an art form, you can learn the most from, you know, there's just so much that you can learn and even, even like put yourself in the position of like watching and wondering what you would do next, or just kind of like thinking about uh, figuring out for yourself what's going on in the scene and the who, what, where, or filling a negative space as you're watching. Um, Yeah. I think the, well, I think the biggest difference is that, like, what you're going off what your friend is saying, and how you're like coming to like, oh, wait, well, maybe you can, but like, I think what it is, is like, if you watch someone doing improv <laughs> and you see the move that they made, like, you're like, oh, they just established the where because that hadn't been established yet, and that's hilarious. Mm-hmm. You can literally just remember that move, place it somewhere in the index of your brain, and the next time you someone hasn't established the where, you can apply that again. Where watching stand up. You can see kind of how some people write their punchlines, 
but you may not be able to break it down to that exact science and then apply it immediately on your sets. Yeah, there's a big missing piece of the process that goes, you know, behind it. You can learn you can learn from like you can study good actors or dancers, but like you don't necessarily learn the process, but the process in improv is happening right in front of you. You know, whether or not the people on stage are sharper or better or have a particular role, you know, with more experience or whatever it is, um, uh, as a student, you can still watch that and see the process happening um, and and the, the result of it all at the same time. Yeah. So that's, yeah. So that's so cool. I, lo I love that, that, that this is something that, um, you know, just dawned on you uh, after just examining over and over again and, and being an, an active or engaged audience member. That's really great. Oh, dude, improv is, I mean, I still love watching improv. Like I'm a huge improv fan still, like most people are, even if it's bad and whatever, whatever people want to deem as bad. Uh, <laughs> the only bad improv is when they're not having fun. Yeah. Honestly, yeah. like it's a, that's the only time where I'm like, okay, you guys don't even look like you're having fun. Why would I have fun? But if yeah. you get people just like, at least like coming on and laughing and goofing off with each other, that's really, really great to watch. But I am, I'm always trying to actively listen and see what people are doing because there's so many times that people make moves that I'm just like, I would never have thought of that. Yeah. Yeah, again, it's it's like you learn perspectives too because uh, again, as a, as a student, it's it's like okay, you might be learning uh, from people who are more experienced or sharper at it, um, and and that kind of trains your brain to think um, just as a how, to see and learn from how experienced improvisers perform and what their process is in real time. But even at the point where you're like as good as you're going to get uh, at, at improv or, or like, you know, just as experienced as everyone else around you, you still watch other people to see how their brains work and you you become more and more like prepared or um, just like expanded, mind expanded on like, oh, wow, there's like, you know, so many different things that this person or this type of, of player might do that like is so unique to them. And, it, and it's, it can be really like, like exciting. And um, I don't know, it just, it just, it makes for me personally, when I watch other people just like making moves that, that I'm like, that's, that's so them and not any the, the way that I would do it. And it works so well for them, but, I, and I just wouldn't, it wouldn't be what I would do or, or I wouldn't know how to make it work. <laughs> that, that makes me excited to play with, uh, to find people to play with and to um, sometimes even to, even to like try things that that uh, normally wouldn't work for me. Um, do you find yourself like like picking up uh, stuff from people and, and trying to like see if you can do something like what they did if, if you if you see something that is not like your style? Oh yeah, 100 percent my my biggest trait that I always tell people like the thing that I am 100 percent best at is learning how to learn. Or just learning. That is yeah. my number one skill, dude. I love learning. I can, in my opinion, like, <clears throat> I, 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 I do have an ego. Who doesn't? But when it comes to like just sitting down and not knowing something or thinking that you don't know everything, uh, it, it's so humbling because then you can really just watch people, even if you don't think they're better than you. <sighs> <laughs> even if you don't think they're better than you, they always are doing things that are more whimsical. So I am trying to like watch like I, I'm intensively watching with the hope 
that people are doing stuff that I'm like, I want to do that next time I play because I don't, I want to be really versatile. And that's always been my goal as a performer is being as versatile as possible. And even now I can feel like some stagnancy and stale moves that I, I, I keep doing over. Like I'm always playing a boss. I always tag in and I'm always playing a boss or, or the wife. <laughs> I'm always playing the boss or the wife of somebody. And, uh, you know, just trying – and an animal, right? But I'm trying to, like, figure out more ways to expand and, and become more playful because I feel like after doing a, a lot of improv, sometimes you want scenes to be grounded, but then you can also make – perhaps get into a zone where everything is always really grounded, where I think it's really good to play with people that are willing to just come out there and throw a wrench in everything without saying no, but just throwing a wrench in it in terms of like, we're all cartoon characters now, yeah, or just yeah. some sort of zany wackiness. And yeah. I want to be able to live in those worlds and all of them. Yeah, I think that's a great point. Um, versatility, I think, is – is key. I think that um, that really is like, again, and again, wa just watching people getting a variety of um, different playing styles. Like, I think the more versatile you can be, the, that's, that's like the job of an improviser is to be ready for anything. And I think at a certain point, you can like start focusing on, obviously, when you know what you really like, it's like, go, go do as much as that as possible. But I think a lot of people try to skip to that um, before really challenging themselves uh to um bring in all the different possibilities and, and just try out things for size and see because uh, you never you never know what what might um make something click or, or trigger a whole new love for improv or just like you know allow you to to play at a, at, a, at another level um when when you know you you might deprive yourself of that if you uh focus too hard in one direction too early. Um, so I think, yeah, you're right. Variety is definitely um, essential. Yeah, yeah. yeah very essential. And like sometimes, you know, people get a little worried about the chaos that happens on stage. I remember this jam that I was hosting and there was a, a very clear, these two people are in a bathroom together and <laughs> uh, I just remember like, you know, somebody trying to tag out and make it like, hey, you've been in the bathroom for a really long time in the apartment. <laughs> okay. One of them disappears. And then a, a brand new character comes on, not understanding what had actually happened, okay. uh, like in terms of the move. And he comes out and they're like, whoa, who's that guy? And everybody, like even the guy that's at, everybody just like, who's that guy? And he's like, I was just in the bathroom. And so, <laughs> and so it becomes this chaos, right? And then more people start coming in and making it chaotic, like not intentionally, but they're just not picking up on the moves that have been established like in front of them. And then someone else comes up like, yeah, I was just using the bathroom. And so for me, this is another example of how you work around what's given to you, right? The negative mm -hmm. space. I'm like, yeah. this is chaotic. I'm gonna add to the chaos. <laughs> yeah. So I just, yeah. I, I just literally, he's like, because there was a point where the person said, "Why are all these people in my apartment?" <laughs> and I am a big believer that improvisers on stage are telling improvisers off stage what to do. Okay. So I, I just came in and I was like, you're calamari, sir. And I gave it to one of the guests and walked away. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I love that. I think that's amazing. That is right up my alley. 
It's like, yo, people are so worried about the chaos. It's like, dude, we just yeah, watched yeah. like seven sets of standard improv. Like, yeah, this yeah, is yeah. different. Yeah. <laughs> what are you guys doing here? <laughs> this is my restaurant. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I just want to play into the chaos, man. If it's there... Yeah. And I, I and I don't take a chance at it. It's just not it, 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 like at least I have that story. Like I still think about that from time to time, and it makes me laugh all the time. Yeah, that's amazing. Okay, there's two two things I I, I want to talk about. I, I don't want to forget about uh, uh, this um, uh, adding to the chaos. Um, but I guess be, before we get back to it, I just want to kind of frame like. In negative space, there's a lot of room for chaos, right? Because um, I guess I'm just wondering what your general thoughts are on on like, okay, when things are like explicitly stated versus like strongly implied versus like very subtly implied. Because if I'm a, if I'm a character and I and you know my opening line is is like you know uh, well good news is it's not broken. Um, even in that, you're you're like this person's probably a doctor. Right, like. Oh, that's what uh, you thought. Maybe, yeah. Like, well, what, what, what did you think? <laughs> I, I, you know what? I didn't even think doctor. I was just thinking, like, okay, this thing is broken. I'm gonna label the thing, <laughs> right? Like, I'm like, yeah, yeah, this yeah, thing yeah. is broken. It's and it's, so I'm like, oh man, you're telling me it's broken. So like, once again, say your line again, and this is what I'm asking. This is literally my thought process when you ask me this. Yeah. Uh, well, the good news is it's not broken. I'm thinking we're roommates because I'm like, why is this guy telling me good news, right? Of course, <laughs> why is this good news? And it's if it's not broken, it's got to be something. I'm like, yeah, th- we really need a toilet, man. We really need a toilet. If this thing doesn't get to work soon, or wait, I don't know. I'm glad that it's working. Sorry, I'm glad that you got it working. <laughs> yeah, it's, not, it's not fixed either. I, I mean, it. Yeah, it yeah, yeah, yeah. It slowly flushes. <laughs> Yeah, 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 but but because also there is a but implied, right? It's it's like the good news is it's not broken. Well, there's bad news too. So like, it, 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 may, it may not be it may not be broken, but it may not be working. <laughs> like, yeah. Good job, yeah. Um, but but so yeah, like I think I mean I'm I'm so glad that that example turned out the way that it did because like yeah, for me, uh, when I say that or if I heard that, I I think that I would be very much like okay, that's doctor. And and if you're if if I was like okay so so if I go, um, uh, well the good news is not broken, but we are going to recommend physical therapy for you. Uh, then you're probably like, doctor at that point. W- would you think? Yes, absolutely. And that's okay. strongly implied versus ex- explicit. Yeah. It's got to be as clear as possible. Well, well, so so yeah, I would say like the first one, the good news is not broken, like like subtly or softly implied, and and then and then uh, we are going to recommend physical therapy is more like strongly implied. I we still have not explicitly said that I'm a yeah. doctor, but like it, until like you know until uh, it's it's like uh, but uh, as a doctor with all these degrees on the wall, you know like you know what I mean, like just shoehorning it in there. But like, was, and then even strongly implied, you could even good thing is not broke like. Good okay, thing it's yeah, not yeah. broken, but I, yeah, yeah. But even then, that's not explicit. <laughs> <laughs> the stethoscope. T- t- <laughs> well, good thing it's not broken, but uh, you know, uh, not everybody gets a broken heart from a relationship. Yours, yeah. Yeah. 
<laughs> yes. Um, I, I guess I don't. So help me out here, because I'm not really sure what my question is in this. Um, but I, I guess what I'm kind of just pointing to is the the uh, this like spectrum of uh, establishments and of negative space. Um, uh, I, I don't know what it was in the apartment bathroom scene that maybe uh, the third person uh, missed or, or whoever walked on um, that you were saying like. Uh, it, it seemed apparent to most people in the room that they had missed something that established that there's somebody in the bathroom that wasn't them that uh, was, you know, and that they're in an apartment or something, right? There's there's like some missing piece where like this this other person that walks on created confusion because it seemed apparent to most people something that was not apparent to this person. Are you, am I am I making sense? Yes, and it's okay. to this person, and I would also say maybe not as apparent to the guy that just got tagged out either, because I think yeah, there was okay. something along the lines like, "What are you doing so long in the bathroom? Like, like come on out, like trying to like get the other person to come back yeah, out, like, but they had just gotten tagged out. <clears throat> okay, okay, but but so so, uh, maybe this is my question or or. Uh, what I want to get your insight on is, is that like, I think it's good to encourage specificity and clear explicit establishments, especially while you're building the habit of making choices and making clear choices uh, to your scene partners um, as a, as a, an improviser, as you're like building your chops at some point it becomes like less is more and I think um, I, I, I imagine the goal is like, okay, how can I strongly imply things, but talk like a normal person and trust my partner to pick up on um, my, you know, uh, uh, good news is not broken, but we are going to recommend th physical therapy. Um, trusting that you're like going to pick up on, on what I'm putting out there. And also that if you don't, um, that that's okay too. But like, uh, is there a sweet spot between those or like, is there a point when you're like, keep getting more specific? Like when do, when do you go from being like, uh, uh, the goal is to be as specific and explicit as possible to like dialing it back, to leave a little bit of room for interpretation or, and, and to challenge yourself to be more like realistic and not so heavy handed. Yeah. I mean, that's great questions. Uh, -huh. Like in terms of specificity, I, I really hammer it in. Yeah. I, I really hammer the specificity in because if I have an idea or even not even just have an idea, I just think it's, it's just a good idea in general to just label as much as you can or try to get into practice of it. Because when you're on stage, you're not going to be able to label everything off the top of your dome, perhaps. But I, I really try to go all in on the specific. Like I would say, as your doctor, a good news is not broken. Just so I can get that rollout. Just so my partner is very, very clear that I'm a doctor. Now, if I come in thinking I'm a doctor and I think it's very clear, and I'm like, well, good thing it's not broken. And they go, yeah, I'm really glad my toilet's not broken. I'm like, yep, I can feel its heartbeat right now. Right? You know what I mean? Like I do love. <laughs> yeah. I do love coming in thinking I'm one thing, but then getting like switched to like a different whatever scenario. That's fun for me. Yes, yes, I agree. I agree. So that, that's what that's what I'm saying is is like is like I I think I 
exactly what you said. It's like, it's such a good practice to be in. But like, I think if I really put out the two scenarios that I prefer the one where you think it's a toilet, like I want yeah. that. It's more exciting yeah. to me. Whatever idea I had or, or that we, or that we might latch onto that's like clear from like, a, you know, a source making a premise out of it or like, you know, a callback or whatever, whatever, whatever's clear that, that, we had an idea for that we want to execute. I think the maximum joy of executing that idea is less fun for me or, or, or the <laughs> yeah. maximum joy is less for me than the scenario where I'm like, even, even if I go, uh, good news is not broken, but we're going to recommend physical therapy. <laughs> and you go, well, there, well, there's still something wrong with this fucking toilet. Like, um, I, <laughs> I'm like, I still am, am like, yeah, well, <laughs> you pushed a little hard, so you're gonna have to, you're gonna have to work with somebody to walk straight again, buddy. Like, <laughs> I, mean, like I, I'm, I, I want, I want, I want the surprise. And so, I guess, again, I guess maybe my, my, like, what I'm wondering about is like, how do you get in the good habit of specificity and mm. and making good establishments, but also hold back just enough to leave room for that positive. Uh, surprise yeah no that's i mean that's such a hard balance to really find because i mean because like it's a really if you really think about it teachers would tell you that's not really yes anding right the person's strongly implying that they're a physical therapist or a doctor and you're completely throwing a wrench in it by putting a toilet right the, the beginner yes and move on that would be yes, doctor, I am in pain or I'm really happy that mm -hmm. it's not what it could be. Right. Like that's what you're so yeah, yeah. you're, you really supposed to do in like level one or whatever. Mm -hmm. So that balance of leaving like a little bit, I, the way I have found it for me, do you, can I ask you a question, James? Of course, yeah. When you initiate, oh, this is my podcast now. Now, when you <laughs> oh, status transformation, uh, <laughs> when you initiate a scene, do you come out knowing exactly what you're going to frame it as? Sometimes, uh, I, I mean, I guess I oh, normally. Um, I'm going to say yes. I, I think I think actually most of the time, I would I try to and would like to have. Um, something in mind for, for what I'm doing. And, and I usually have it, have it, try to have it be uh, either something that I'm going to label relationship wise or uh, space wise. That's, that's probably like, like what I think of like from a suggestion is like, okay, what, wh what kind of space can I take us to so that I can give us a background or um, who, who, who am I going to be talking to or intending to talk to? Um, and, and then, and then sometimes I'm just like, if a scene needs to happen, I'll go out there. Or if stuff feels, if things feel too stuffy, then, um, I'll, I'll do, I'll do the, we're all cartoons now. <laughs> but most, most of the time I have an, an intention for scene initiations. I'm not even gonna lie to you. I forget my suggestion as soon as I get it. And I, I don't even do it intentionally. I just, we get the same. I've never, I never really asked for them anymore. If I do, I, whatever, but I really do just like. It just good one year out the other. Chris Griggs, one of my instructors, told me, told our whole class, like, come out like you want something. He's like, I may not always come out doing object work or something, or my character doesn't always come out the best, but 
He's like, I always come out looking like I want something. So that's what I try to do. Like, I don't have any intention of what I'm going to say. I don't know the relationship. I literally come in there zero. And I, and I, but I, I treat it like, I treat the stage like a matrix. Mm-hmm. And I'll, I'll get, I'll get to that too before we run out. I always treat the stage like a matrix. So as soon as I, like I enter, <laughs> like I literally, I always like, this is like my go-to. I always enter like that. Like you're coming out from behind a curtain. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Right. Like that's... Or like stepping, stepping through like, yeah, yeah. The, uh, that like metallic liquid mirror in, in the matrix. Yeah, like... Yes. Yes. <laughs> uh, I've ignored you. Uh, I, I so that's how I always try to come on like I want something, and I'm always trying to do some sort of object work. But my, mm-hmm. I love mirroring people, and I think to give it that room without the specificity, the way we're taught at the pit and the way we teach is come in and start silent. Do some object work. Look at each other. Mirror each other. That's my thing. I'm mirroring. You're talking about negative space. I, yo, someone comes in, yo, James, do something. Any sort of object work. Yeah, do any sort of object work. Right? And this, yeah. so that's my thing. I'm going to literally do as much as I can to mi- mimic exactly what you're doing. And in that space of time, you have a chance to come up with any any sort of like idea based off of what we're doing right now, right? Nothing's really been established. And once the first line is is said, the specificity should become more and more clear. I guess really it should start off with like blank, implied, medium implied, stronger implied, completely explicit in terms of how I think it really should merge together. Uh, yeah. And so, the, yeah, does that, I, I don't even remember how we, I asked, I told myself oh, no, I'd be really good about remembering the whole, the whole question. <laughs> oh, we've lost the thread. I don't know where we are. <laughs> no, I, th- I think that, um, uh, what, well, the, the thread started on the idea of like, at, at what point, how do you balance being explicit and, uh, I, I guess helpful being a helpful contributor to the scene uh, versus still leaving room for somebody else's interpretation and that surprise of mismatched ideas on what's going on. Yeah. Um, And I do, I think what you're saying is great is, is that like um, one, I, I love there's okay. Sorry. My mind's going in five directions because I also, for your, I know for your, your jam, I think you do like a one line or a, sorry, a, uh, uh, one word story, one, or one, sentence. one word at a time sentence, uh, with the group that's going to perform, they create a sentence, one word at a time, one person at a time. And then they'll use that as their suggestion, which I think is great. I even like performing no suggestion. Um, I, 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 I have played shows like that. I, I used to play at a theater in Michigan that, uh, uh, the, the, House team um, never used a suggestion, and it was just a lights up and go kind of thing. And I love that. I I get hung up on suggestions, or I feel like when I feel a responsibility to the audience that like if we're going to take a suggestion, we should use it. 
I'd rather not take one and not use it, but I feel weird not using it when, um, when we got it, you know, <clears throat> but I, but that's on me. That, that's no, there's no law against that. Like Can I'd I rather comment be on that? playing like you. Yeah. Yeah. Go ahead. Yeah, no, no. I mean, because it, it's not even like I said. I don't even. I never was like. Ah, I don't do suggestions like that. That, that kind of. <laughs> <it's, suggestions. laughs> but I like listen. <laughs> I, I just did that to please you. Now it's my show. Uh, uh, I li- I listened to the Centralia podcast with Patrick McCartney, and he was interviewing David Keckner. Yeah. And David Keckner was like use the suggestion and and bring it into your body so if i if you get the suggestion cheese maybe i think swiss cheese swiss cheese has holes in it maybe i'm someone who looks at all my flaws too deeply Mm. or like cake i think of chocolate mousse cake i think of that feeling that you get when you eat something too sweet and i'm like Maybe my character is nostalgic about the past. Yeah. You know, like embodying it into the personality of the character that you're playing. I'm not saying that I do that, uh, but that was very interesting to listen to. So if the audience gives me a suggestion, I don't care if I say the word in the, I mean, obviously we're not supposed to, I mean, it's not that we're not even supposed to, I don't even care if I'm making it obvious anymore. Yeah. I, I, but here, here's uh, what my solution has become. If I'm hosting, like when Julia and I play, I think we, I think we do this. Um, <laughs> we, it's been so long. Um, but, uh, you know, we'll be like, we're going to take a suggestion and that's going to influence our show. But we're going to forget what it is and keep improvising anyway. And other times <laughs> we'll remember what it is and you'll see it pop back up. But uh, either way we're making it up as we go. Um, you know, just something like that, that, that kind of like reminds the audience that like, it's, we're going to ask for the suggestion, but there's a ton of ways that it can influence us. And like, we're improvising. So like, we're, <laughs> it's, this is not about the acrobatics of yeah. how many different ways we can show, prove to you that we are, you're using your suggestion. Like we're going to be busy doing other things, <laughs> you know, like that's, that's, I, I just like to, to like, not on that that gives me a license to do it i should probably just worry less about it and, and be like that's improv baby uh and trust other people that i'm playing with to like tend to that role and just let myself play the way that i would rather be i i think so because like in, in your embodiment of the audience they're like well we gave well yeah. one participant out of us 40 gave him a word <laughs> that he barely even uses his stage work <laughs> Like, yo, think about it. When you're when you get up there and you forget the suggestion, they're the same boat. <laughs> right. But but so where that where this comes from for me is that like in um I I think I, I guess I don't I don't want to say that in New York people are always more in the know about what improv is, because sometimes mm-hmm. sometimes that's not mm-hmm. the case. But um, you know, in Michigan, when um we, we, our, our theater was doing a lot more, especially with long form to like kind of bring the audience in and, and uh, educate people about like the context of what they're, they're going to see. Um, and even like, even, you know, the best teams at our theater would do, would take a suggestion, the first scene would use it and then like leave it behind from there. 
rarely would you really see a team that that uh, was hammering into the suggestion or or like keeping the thread to build, you know, a clear like theme out of it and then like bringing it back in the callbacks, you know, all Herald style or, or, or whatever. It's just very like shoot from the hip in the best way improv. And I would have like, I had a student um, that was an advanced one that, and this is, so there's, there's like four intro four advanced. So this is the fifth class that this uh, student had taken. And he, he was watching a show. Um, and uh, I talked to him after and I was like, what you think? And he's like, it's still really hard to tell when they go from the improv to the, scripted stuff <laughs> and i was like well well they're not but, but it, it, just, it, it just made me think that like oh because it feels like that it feels for, like i worry about that for the audience and again it's me just me putting too much of a burden on myself to handhold the audience but like i just uh i'm always looking for a way to just make make it make it make sense and give the audience the same license that the um performers have to let go of the suggestion even when you get you take one and not and not then become skeptical or confused about what's happening yeah and that's your midwestern hospitality you know yeah, i'm from yep. indiana for all the people that don't know but it's so midwestern of you to go i just want to make sure that they're yeah. on the same page yeah <laughs> yeah oh man yeah no i that's that's and that's totally fair i i would never argue against that that to me just makes it perhaps even takes a little less burden on them when they're asking for the suggestion. Cause some, yo, we did a Pittison showcase where it was the Halloween one. And, and we asked, somebody asked, you know, Hey, can we get a suggestion of anything at all? The whole audience was quiet. <laughs> like everyone was quiet. And then they literally had to go, Hey, no, it's okay. You can talk during this portion. Yeah. And then someone just shouted out fish. Yeah. Like I think maybe sometimes there is this pressure and weight, like, Oh, I got to give them something really good here. Or yeah, yeah. there's the other side where they're like, oh, I can't wait to say dildo. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. And they're cousins. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, no, you're right. It, it is like, uh, but that's that's actually sometimes a case for not using a suggestion is like if you don't, I think most people don't give a shit in, in an audience. I mean, most people don't give a shit. If they're having a good time and, and mo I think most improvisers, don't give a shit whether the audience thinks it's scripted or not. The the performers get enough out of it out of it being improvised, so that even if it even if the audience is a hundred percent convinced that it's scripted, it doesn't matter. Yeah. <laughs> what matters to me is that I'm having fun in the medium that I have most fun in, which is unscripted, completely improvised theater. Um, so so it doesn't really matter. I just there's you know that's that's the whole thing about like improv FAQ is trying to like bridge these gaps. Where people on both sides don't give a shit. I well, then can, gap that, that no one's trying to cross. Can I also come in? <laughs> no, no, no. Because I will. I you know working on the negative space of what you already have established and yeah, trying yeah. to relate to what you said. I think we should make more of an emphasis when you interview someone for an improv set. I think it should just be stated. Hey, look, this improv set is not our opinions on your life or any sort of direct uh, commentary. We are just making up scenes as they come. And we just appreciate you giving us some ideas to play with. Like I would appreciate that as someone who's in the know as an improviser. Yeah. I think that's just a courtesy to the person that just got interviewed and also the audience so that they know we're not making fun of you. We're just doing scenes out of fun ideas. Yeah. 
Yeah. Yeah. I think that, I think that's, um, I think that's, that's really, again, it's, it's the mid, Midwestern <laughs> hospitality. Like, I don't want you to feel made fun of. Yeah. I don't want you to be, feel. Yeah. Fun. We're laughing with you. Yeah. Can yeah. I get you anything like a water or tea or something? Yeah. Like, Do you need um, H2O? Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. Okay. Well, so let's, uh, let's uh, uh, circle back uh, away from the suggestion stuff. Uh, and I'm trying to remember, there was something that I was like, oh, I don't want to forget to talk about um, some uh, uh, thing that you, maybe, maybe we already covered it without knowing. The it. Matrix? Was it the Matrix part? No? Yeah. You Well, you said you wanted to come back to yeah. that. So let's do that. Yeah. Uh, talk to me about this Matrix concept. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. The Matrix concept, right? Like I tell all my students this as well. Like imagine a Matrix. And as soon as something is said, it's in there. Mm-hmm. Right? Like I, I just did this scene on... Friday at my, at my jam, I was really happy about it. This, uh, the actor, she said, uh, all of our clothes, all of our clothes in the laundry and dryer are green now. And it, we were just like, she was yelling at because I, I would like spent all of her, her life savings on the McCarthy grant. And she was mad at me and like, like getting, and then, so I run around cause now we're, we've gotten all the way to stage left. Okay. And so in my head, I'm like, she already established laundry and dryer. And I know that I need to keep using as much maximum space as I can. So I run around and <clears throat> I open up a dryer and I just start throwing the green clothes out of it. Uh, and that's something that I always like try to get people to start seeing is if something's been said, it can pop up anywhere. And I, yeah. I have an exercise for that too, where... I, I, in my class, I have two people go out and they do a scene. And anytime any sort of environmental stuff is established, someone off the sidelines has to come in and play it. Even if it's a table, a chair, that way they can visually see that it's actually happening instead of just having to imagine it. Yeah. Yeah. I like that. It's sort of like populating a little virtual reality uh, uh, objects, um, in the matrix. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and then again, that's, that's like, that's negative space too. I think, uh, one, 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 another angle on this that, um, I came to mind is like TJ and Dave who would do like, you know, um, no, no suggestion. There's just two of them. Um, if you if you read it in the into their book, they're they're also kind of like looking at like what is what is adjacent in the in the world around them. So like you're talking about just in the scene, okay? There's we've established that there's like laundry, washer and dryer over here, or a table, or or a door, or or whatnot. Um, something that they describe doing in their shows is being like, okay, well, who's in the next room? What what are the adjacent spaces here? There's like you know, if we're if we're in a in a house then like somebody might be walking their dog outside or the kids are in the backyard um, or, you know, what are the neighbors doing? There's, there's like this, these adjacent spaces. And I think that that's a really um, useful way to world build and also like give yourself places to go. Even if you, you know, they don't have to necessarily, they're going to be related because they're sharing the same world and, and, and adjacent space, but like, you don't have to jump there and then be like, Oh, it's following the same plot thread. Um, you know, just because you went to the neighbor's house, they could be do- doing something entirely different, but you take away the burden of inventing new spaces. If you play that way, just by being like, okay, 
there's somebody in the same neighborhood um and we that's enough to not have to worry so much about the who what where uh in the next scene you know what i mean I, I, yeah I really like that concept i also really really love that concept and that's probably one of my more weaker parts of my own game because i see people do those tag outs where you, you know it was like uh i saw this show where uh, i think they were like old like hey so this is the the youngest sibling club Right, it was the young, mm -hmm. the youngest sibling. We're we're all getting tired of getting shit on that kind of stuff, and then somebody else like creates a whole another group where it's like, "Hey, it's the only child club." Right? It's like, of course, in an it, it, yeah, if yeah, there's yeah. a single child club somewhere in this world, there's an only child club. <laughs> but my brain just doesn't operate on all level. When I'm in this in, in the middle of a set, I just don't operate uh, as quickly on that as other people do. And that's a move that I have in my index that I'm trying to get better at and use in my set is what do the adjacent people around these people that we've created, what do they do? What do they believe in? Then that's something, yeah, I'm glad that you brought that up because I do love that style of play. And that's something that Mike Warner and I, when we do two prop together, we really dive deep into that kind of level of world. I think that's, it's probably just really good for two prop. Uh, yeah. But it's really fun as well. Like we, we're never just in one place. We're just constantly moving in this world in one direction. Yeah, yeah, I, I, it, yeah. Again, because like especially for two proverb, uh, it's it's just like when you're in every scene, the whole show. Little things that you can do to like take away the burden of um, wh wherever you go next, and just like kind of keep it threaded internally but loose and flexible enough to still be playful are are awesome awesome tools uh and approaches to play um but then again it's it's like as long if even if you guys are both like like every single scene we're like fuck it whatever happened before and, and a suggestion we're just gonna like start from scratch um that can work too but uh it's uh i guess just different tools or different playing styles yeah and our styles aren't done yet. There's always adapting. Yeah, man. Well, that's the wrapping up tone of voice. <laughs> yeah. oh, I, um, I did the tone of voice that is supposed yeah. to sound like I said something deep at the end of a podcast. Yeah. <laughs> uh, offering up a blow line here. Um, but yeah, no, it is time uh, for us to bring this conversation to a close. It's been a really great one. I think there's so much more that we could unpack in there. Um, I have really enjoyed uh, talking to you about uh, negative space and everything else that we talked to uh, uh, talked about off of that topic. Um, before we let you go, is there anything else that you want to uh, plug uh, for your own stuff or what's going on at the pit and classes, anything like that? Uh, yeah. Hey, um, follow me on Instagram at Sunny Outlaw. Uh, that's O-U-T-L-A-W, and you see my first name right there. And I do a drop-in uh, usually on Tuesdays at 1.30 p.m. And come to my improv jam Fridays at 5. I really love doing improv. Yeah, awesome. Um, theater, the theater's over on uh, 29th Street in Chelsea uh, in Manhattan. Um, <laughs> okay, uh, Sonny, thanks so much for joining. Uh, it's been great. Look, man. This is what happens when I don't have Bob here to like uh, keep me grounded as I just start spouting off. <laughs> oh, dude, no, I love the spouting off, man. Um, thank you so much, dude. I had a uh, had a great time. Uh, goodbye. <laughs> <laughs> uh, thanks everyone for joining. Um, we will catch you next time. Oh, a uh, friendly reminder that uh, we are typically at one p.m. and uh, just a special broadcast 
at noon today, but typically at 1 p.m. We'll catch you next time on the Improv Network podcast. Bye.